Today we are starting a new message series, and if you've been with us for very long, our theme for 2021 has been intimacy, identity, increase. Those are the three words that have defined the movement of this church in 2021, intimacy, identity, increase, and we've talked a lot about intimacy We just wrapped up a few weeks ago a series on identity, who we are in Christ, what sanctification means to the believer. And today we want to start a four-part series based out of Romans chapter 12 on increase. And another word we can use for increase is transformation. Transformation. And so we see in Isaiah chapter 9, the word of God says that the increase of his government, there will be no end. That the kingdom of God is ever increasing. And I think much of the speed of that increase is determined by our commitment to the commission. The kingdom is increasing, but how fast the kingdom increases is determined by our obedience to what we've been called to do. And I want to maximize my time on this planet to do all I can to see the kingdom of God increase to the fullest measure while I'm here. And that's the responsibility of all of us as the body of believers. Of the increase of his government, there will be no end. So increase. We believe wholeheartedly that we are living in revival at Lifeway. If you've been a part of this family for very long, you know what I'm talking about. We're seeing miracles, signs, and wonders on a weekly basis, and we believe wholeheartedly in the power of the gospel and of the Holy Spirit to accomplish the greater things that Jesus promised that we would do in the power of his name. And if you're new with us, it won't be very long before you probably see something you've never seen before. And that has nothing to do with us and everything to do with him and his power flowing through his church. It's so good. And we have to make the most of every opportunity to display his love and his power in a world that desperately needs it. Romans 12 is where we're going to plant ourselves for the next few weeks. And Romans 12, if if you're familiar with this passage, it is all about everyone's role in the body of Christ. It's all about our relationships with each other. I I challenge you and encourage you to read Romans 12 every day throughout these next few weeks. Read it in different translations. Let these words come alive to you because here's the reality. When we all live in harmony together, when we are loving one another, when we are serving one another as Jesus did, when that is the atmosphere we operate in, when we take what we have in here out there, the potential is limitless. But as we said last year, revival starts at home. Revival starts in this house, in your house. And before it can transform the world around us, it has to be functioning in here and in here, right? And that's what we're going after. We wanna see Lifeway become all that Jesus paid for Lifeway to become. And we're on our way there. 
We're seeing it happen on a weekly basis. Listen, church, you're amazing. You are incredible. Leslie and I talk on a daily basis just about how excited we are about the new things that we're seeing, the new relationships, the new ministries, the new things that God is doing in your lives. I love Facebook. I love seeing the house fires. I love seeing the, the partnerships together, the relationships that are forming. And we hear the conversations about, do you hear what God's doing in my life? I prayed for somebody. I talked with somebody. I met somebody. I believe God is, is giving me um, a vision for this ministry. Will you partner together with me and let's do it together? And we're seeing the kingdom increase. It's exciting. Exponential increase, right, Bradley? Exponential. That's Bradley's word. Exponential increase. You know what exponential means? It means becoming more and more rapid. And that's what we're seeing here. The increase that God is bringing into Lifeway is becoming more and more rapid. Listen, we're dreaming about building a new building, a new worship center, a new auditorium because we're out of room. We're out of parking. We received uh, word from multiple people last week that there were no parking spots last Sunday morning. They couldn't find a place to park. That's what you call quality problems. And it's not to our glory, it's his glory. But we know we need a bigger room. We need more space because of what God is bringing in and through Lifeway for Celebrate Recovery. I heard the same thing about the parking lot for CR. Somebody pulled in and it's a Thursday night. Like what is going on on a Thursday night at Lifeway? Celebrate Recovery. And there's hardly a place to park because of the activity of the Holy Spirit, what he's doing, the transformation that's taking place. So here's going to be kind of our theme for this series, and it's on the screens. And I want you to remember this, to begin to recite this to yourself. The renewed mind transforms a person. A transformed person transforms a family. And a transformed family transforms a city. We have been planted here for such a time as this to see New Philadelphia, to see Tuscarawas County transformed. That's the goal. But it begins with the renewed mind. A renewed mind transforms a person. A, a transformed person transforms a family we are that family, the family of believers, the body of Christ. It can also be your family at home as well. And then that transformed family transforms a city. But the transformation we want to see in our cities must be happening internally first. Amen? The transformation that we want to see happen in our city, listen, uh, Leslie says this on a weekly basis, empty hospitals. We've received flack for believing that God is powerful enough to clear out our hospital. Now, if he does that, we also believe he's going to provide jobs for all the nurses and doctors who don't have a job anymore. Because God never does anything halfway. But we believe he's powerful enough to do that. But it has to happen here internally first. Who we are, what we believe, what we are pursuing and then we can see our city transformed. Then we can see the drug epidemic be completely erased. Human trafficking, gone. Domestic violence, gone. We believe it's possible. 
because we've seen it happen before and we know that it can happen here. So pray with us for that. But it takes a transformed family to see the transformation of our city. We cannot give away what we don't have. It has to happen on the inside. Revival starts at home. And we cannot give away what we don't have, what we don't already possess. So Romans 12, you can turn there with me. It's going to be on the screens. I'm going to read out of the New American Standard Bible. And this is Paul writing to the Christians in Rome, very different culture than the Jewish culture. And he is encouraging them. And in Romans 12, starting in verse 1, we're just going to go through verses 1 and 2 today. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, or the NIV says, in view of God's mercy, to present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. I think we could all agree that true godly worship is not simply an activity in a church service. Do you believe that? True godly worship is not simply an activity in a church service, but a lifestyle of sacrifice and surrender in response to God's marvelous mercy. That's what Paul said. He said, I urge you therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, in response to the love and the mercy of God to offer your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice. I was reading through that passage of scripture and I surrender all came into my mind. Listen to these words. All to Jesus I surrender. All to him I freely give. I will ever love and trust him in his presence daily live. All to Jesus I surrender. Humbly at his feet I bow. Worldly pleasures all forsaken. Take me, Jesus, take me now. All to Jesus I surrender. Lord, I give myself to thee. Fill me with thy love and power. Let thy blessings fall on me. What word did you hear repeated? All. And if you look that word up in the Greek, all means all. Everything. All to Jesus I surrender. In view of God's marvelous mercy, all to Jesus I surrender. I don't hold anything back. Everything I am, everything I have, everything I want is yours. And anything you tell me to do, I will do it. All for your glory. Because of your mercy. Because of your sacrifice, Jesus, the only proper response I can give is to offer all of myself. Everything I am, everything I have, everything I want, Jesus, I hold nothing back. I surrender all to be used by you and for you in whatever manner you see fit, I will do it. Amen? I want to live as a burning sacrifice consumed by the fire of the Holy Spirit that everything I do pleases his heart. Consume me, Holy Spirit. 
Consume me with your fire. Consume my heart. Consume my mind. Consume everything I am. That everything I do, that everything I think, that everything I say, that every place I go, that every person I encounter, I please your heart. I bring you glory. It's not about Travis's glory. It's about your name, Jesus, be lifted up. Our worship within these four walls, I think most of us could say our worship within these four walls gathered with like-minded believers, which I'm not saying anything against that because this is vital. Gathering together, celebrating together, worshiping together, bearing one another's burdens. We need to do this. We cannot forsake the assembling of ourselves. But worship within these four walls gathered with like-minded people for most of us probably isn't much of a sacrifice. It's what you came here to do. It's the purpose of gathering together. Worship becomes a true sacrifice when we take it outside of the church. Did you hear that? Worship becomes a true sacrifice when we take it outside of the church by living in a way that truly honors, exalts, and brings positive attention to God. We have to take our worship outside. Now, does that mean you have to constantly be singing Chris Tomlin everywhere that you go? Hopefully not. No. Does that mean you all, I mean, constantly you have to verbally be praying 24-7 every moment of the day? No. But when worship is taking outside of the walls of the church, it looks like loving your neighbor. Who's a different political party than you are? It looks like generosity. It looks like selflessly giving your time to help someone out when you have a whole laundry list of things that you need to accomplish. But I'm going to sacrifice my time for someone else. It looks like uh, conviction right now. It looks like getting up an hour early every day so that you have that intimacy with the Father that propels you into the rest of your day. Is that hard for you? It's hard for me. I love to sleep. I used to say if there was a category in the Olympics for sleeping, I'd win the gold, okay? <laughs> I like my sleep, and I can be very selfish with my time very often. That's what worship looks like outside of these four walls. It looks like encountering a person at Walmart and stepping out in faith and saying, you know what? I feel like I'm supposed to pray for you. The Lord, I feel like he's telling me that... Um, you're having marriage problems, and I just want to pray for you today. Can I do that? That's a sacrifice of worship. We have to take it outside of the church. So verse 2, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. So let's take the beginning here. Do not be conformed to this world. What does it mean to be conformed? Anyone know? What's the, the definition of conform? I had to look it up. To copy, okay, set in the ways of, yeah, to become, yeah, here's the definition. To make similar in form, nature, or character, to bring into agreement. 
So with that understanding, go back to Romans 12.2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So let's review where we've been the last couple weeks. In Christ, I have a brand new nature. I am no longer a sinner. I am a saint. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Amen? Are we in agreement? That's who we are. That is our identity in Christ. We are a new creation. The old is gone. The dead, the old man is dead in the grave. What power does a dead man have? Zero, okay? So your dead old man is in the grave. Your sinful nature is in the grave. It no longer has any power over you. The only power that dead man has is you continually going back to it. But in Jesus, we've been transformed by the renewing of our minds. We have the mind of Christ, amen? And I want to live in complete agreement with heaven. Don't be conformed to the pattern of this world. Well, in Romans chapter eight, verse 29, Paul says, I have been conformed to the image of God. In Christ, you now have been conformed to the image of God, not to the pattern of this world. You've been conformed to the image of God. You bear his image. You look different. You are different. In him, you are a new creation. Why does our mind need to be renewed? Don't conform to the pattern of this world, which can easily happen. Just get out your phone, open social media, turn on the news, take a walk down the street. We see culture. We are just inundated with this is how you should think. This is how you should act. This is who you should be. This is how you should look. This is how you should speak. This is how you should think. We hear it all the time. Whether it's in your face or it's more subliminal, conscious or subconscious, we are being told on a daily basis who we are supposed to be. But who are we? We are in him. We are as he is. We have been made new, we have a new nature, and we are in agreement with heaven. Why does our mind need to be renewed? Because Jesus always goes to the root of an issue. You ever notice that in scripture, that Jesus very rarely is ever concerned with the symptoms, and he's always concerned with the root cause of something? Um... Proverbs 23, verse 7, for as he thinks within himself, so is he. Who you are here, how you think, determines who you are. Everything we do begins with a thought, right? Every decision that you make, where does it begin? Right here. And it can stay right there, right? Many of us, we think things all the time that we don't actually do physically, but they're still here right? Everything that we do begins with a thought. Just because we don't physically or verbally respond doesn't mean we're not thinking it. And Jesus is always concerned with the root. Think about this. Jesus says, you have heard it said, do not murder, 
But I say to you, anyone who is angry with his brother is in danger of judgment. The mind. He said, you have heard it said, do not commit adultery. But I tell you, anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Mind. Because everything starts with a thought. And Jesus isn't concerned about anything other than the root. And that is why our mind needs to be transformed because everything that we do starts here. And so if we can live from a transformed mind, we can live out a transformed lifestyle. That was good, Travis. That wasn't even in my notes. What did I say? If live with a transformed mind, we can live out a transformed lifestyle. Yeah, Holy Spirit, thank you. Jesus knows true transformation can only happen with a renewed mind. So why is transformation important? Come on, we just read it. Troy, go back to uh, Romans 12. Okay, so, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Next slide. There it is. So why is transformation important? So that you can prove what the will of God is. Right? Be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you can prove what the will of God is. What is the will of God? Right? Is the will of my Father that none should perish? The best definition I've ever heard of the will of God is your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. His will is whatever is happening up there to happen down here. You have been transformed to bring heaven to earth. You have been transformed to see revival in your family. You've been transformed to truly live out the lifestyle that Jesus lived. But that can only happen through the renewed mind. It starts in the renewed mind. It starts with the mind of Christ. If we think on heavenly things, we will naturally display kingdom realities on earth. Right? Paul said, set your mind on things above. When we set our minds on things above, when I think on heavenly things, whatever is good, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, whatever is worthy of praise, there's some more there. I can't remember them all. Think on these things. Set your minds on things above because the transformed mind brings transformation in every other part of your life. But it starts in the mind. It starts with how we think. Read it one more time, Romans 12, verse 2. It's on the screens. This is out of the Passion Translation. Stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. And as we were studying, as we were going through this passage of scripture, one person in particular stood out to us. One person who had a radical transformation experience who was then empowered to literally reshape the course of history and write a third of the New Testament. And that person's name was Paul. I was thinking about you all. And I was thinking about how many of you I could use this example of from death to life. The room is full of Saul's to Paul's. Woo. 
You were once, but now you are. <laughs> Come on. That's who you are. The room is full of it. It's full of it. Go with me to Acts chapter 9 to wrap this up. Because I want you to see the stark contrast of a transformed mind. When you encounter Jesus in your life, how many of you can say your life has never been the same since? Yeah? And how many of you can say it's been better than it was? And if you can't say that, then you need delivered from negativity in Jesus' name. Come on. Perspective. Lift your eyes. He is good. He's got you. So Paul, Paul was, he felt, he was, how do I want to say this? A protector of the law, of the religious way of life. So when Jesus stepped onto the scene, Paul's a part of the Pharisees, he's a part of the religious leaders, and he's watching this Jesus walk around and deliver people, forgive people, and heal people, and Paul decides, well, hey, I, I disagree with this man, I'm going to stand against him, and I'm going to do everything I can to kill every one of his followers, or at least imprison them. We would say that's not great, right? Saul which was Paul before his transformation, went around murdering Christians. Saul was at the place where Stephen was stoned to death, watching it happen. He didn't stop it. This is justice because he's going against the law. He was angry. He would go into the houses of believers and literally drag them out and put them in prison. He was on a mission, what he thought was God's mission, because he had not encountered Jesus personally. He was watching the people of the way, following Christ, giving their lives for him, and he was killing them. He was a murderer. So don't tell me what your past is, because it doesn't matter. When you meet Jesus, it doesn't matter what you did. Come on. Go to verse 1 with me in chapter 9. But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues of, at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, I love that, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now, as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him, and falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, but rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. It goes on to tell you that he became blind. He couldn't see after that Damascus Road encounter. But he began to experience Jesus. Amen? He began to experience his followers. The Lord sent Ananias to come to him. Ananias is like, Lord, do you know who that is? He's going to kill me if I go there. But whatever you ask, I will do. I love Ananias. He was transformed. He's like, I will give my life for the cause of Christ. Amen? Go to verse 17. So Ananias departed and entered the house. 
And laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road by which you came, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately, like scales fell from his eyes, and he regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized. Come on. And taking food, he was strengthened. Keep going into verse 20. For some days he was with the disciples at Damascus. And immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogue, saying, he is the son of God. So when Paul had a Damascus Road encounter, he was transformed. His mind was instantly transformed from death to life. And then Ananias comes and he has an experience with the Holy Spirit and immediately he followed Jesus in baptism. Immediately. And then he's, he goes, and how cool would it be to go hang out with the people that have been walking and talking with Jesus for three years? He went and he hung out. It says, for some days he was with the disciples. Why do you think that was? Because Jesus was pouring life into him through the disciples who were called anointed and transformed by the renewing of their mind so that they could see Paul become one of the greatest preachers of all time. So he hung out with them and they equipped him, equipped the saints for the work of the ministry. That is what we're doing here. We're hanging out together, we're fellowshipping together to equip one another in our transformation. Amen? And then it says in verse 20, and immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogues. Oh, I love it. He didn't wait till he was in school for how many years? He didn't wait until he had a third of the New Testament stories memorized. He didn't wait. He knew the law. He was, he was trained in it. But he didn't wait until somebody said, okay, now you're ready. He was fully equipped. Why? Because of the transforming power of Jesus in his life. And he instantly went from death to life. So immediately he began to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. He went back to the place where he was pulling these Christians and murdering them. And he began to speak the same language they were speaking. Can you imagine what they were like? Oh my word. What is happening in him? They may not have been surprised because they had seen it for three years. The transforming power of Jesus. The transforming power of even their stories from death to life. Jump down to verse 22. But Saul increased. Come on. Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Christ. You are called to increase. You are called to increase. And strength, be strengthened and confound the devil in Jesus' name. The transforming of your mind is not for your sake alone. The transforming of your mind is for the sake of your children and their children and their children and their children. The transforming of your mind is for the sake of the body being built up. The transforming of your mind is for the sake of the community, the city, the county, the region knowing Jesus. And I am crazy enough to believe that that same Jesus that empowered Paul and transformed him empowers each one of you and me and that we can see our region, the, the area that God has placed us, one for the kingdom. Yeah. 
yes, and amen. In Acts 9.31, it says, So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. It multiplied. Are we supposed to just hang out in the four walls? You know what I think is really exciting is the house fires that are happening. It's not just Lifeway people. It's people who don't attend church. It's people who attend legacy. It's people who attend authentic. We're seeing the church merge in this valley. There's something happening. And he's asking you, will you say yes to this crazy transformation life and walk in the power of the Holy Spirit and see people healed, delivered, and whole in the streets and at Walmart and in your neighborhood and at the gym and at the restaurant, your waitress, your family, your grandpa, your grandma, your aunt, your uncle. Don't shut your mouth. Don't let the enemy shut your mouth. You have been called. You have had a Jesus encounter, and the power of the Holy Spirit lives in you. And it's time for increase. And I'm not just talking about numbers. We get so distracted by what we think increase looks like. I am talking about the kingdom advancing in unity and power. Come on. As I was flipping through Acts, I saw, oh, Peter raised the dead. Oh, somebody else raised the dead. Oh, somebody else raised the dead. Holy moly. They saw miracles, signs, and wonders. The Holy Spirit filled the believers and fire fell. They saw Philip was transported from one place to another. Don't tell me that it stopped at the resurrection. Don't tell me that it stopped at Pentecost. We got the fire so that we could deliver it and spread it all over. The renewed mind transforms a person. A transformed person transforms a family, the church. A transformed family transforms a city. We, were here, we are here for such a time as this. I like Paul because it's like a light switch got flipped on when the light shone on him. And he came alive to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Can you imagine him capturing all the prophecies that he had memorized throughout his years and seeing them? Oh, he did that. Oh, he did that. Oh, he did that. Jesus fulfilled them all. And then he writes about it over and over and over again. What is inside of you that the enemy wants to keep locked up, shut up, and shut down? What is inside of you that will be a part of it? It's not about one person. It's not just about Paul. Paul equipped the saints for the work of the ministry. Paul wrote letters, and he changed the region by encouraging the believers to change their region. So what is inside of you that God is unlocking and releasing in this time to say, go, do it? What does that look like? What is he asking? Because we talked about last week, you were made for such a time as this. You have a purpose, a plan, and a destiny. What would it look like if Lifeway, every single one, Amy, Roy, Amber, Katie, Natalie, oh no, I forgot your name. <laughs> I'm sorry. Zach! Thank you. He never forgets your name. Nope, he never forgets your name. But what would it look like, even if just one family, and this is happening, I'm not saying it's not happening, but just one family says, yeah, we're going to follow Jesus, and we're going to take our neighborhood. We're going to have neighborhood cookouts, and we're going to see people come to know him. Now, that doesn't mean that you're manipulating and you're being crazy, but you're loving people everywhere you go. 
Saul to Paul, get going. You have been awoken for such a time as this. The light has come on, not for you to keep the light to yourself, but once you know how to shine your light, you go and you shine your light on somebody else, and then you teach them how to shine their light, and then they learn how to shine their light, and they go and shine their light on somebody else, and it just keeps going and going and going, and the gospel spreads, and the kingdom advances, and that is what we are here to do. Because of the renewing of our mind, I have the mind of Christ. I have the power of the Holy Spirit. Our valley was once known as the Valley of Light. Back when the Native Americans and the Moravians lived in unity and power and they were getting saved and coming to know Jesus, this valley had a reputation. It was a reputation of light. And it was the light of Jesus Christ. So when I talk about this and I'm passionate about it, it's not because it's just a cute thing to say. It's because this is our heritage. Our heritage is to be not known as the oppressed valley, but to be known as the Valley of Light. To be known of as the place where revival, revived life is pouring out. Living water is pouring out. We are called to step into this and move in it. And we are. It's happening. But don't forget to renew your mind. Don't forget that you went from Saul to Paul. Don't forget what he has done for you on the cross. Don't forget that it is finished. And it's not something you have to earn. It's just something you need to surrender into, receive, and walk in. Amen? Where the renewed minds are, there is transformation. Eagle up. You're not a chicken. You're, a tur you're not a turkey. We have a story. If you don't know what we're talking about, I'm really sorry. But there's a story about who we were and who we are now. How he sees us. We have been transformed to rise up on wings like eagles. To run and not grow weary. To walk and not grow faint. Stand with me. What is so exciting to me is they released the saints when they, were, when they were praying over Stephen and the seven to do the work of the ministry. They prayed, they laid hands on them, and they released them to go do it. We believe in you. Because we believe in the Jesus in you. And we believe that God has called you to this place. I mean, Ron stepped into Lifeway a little over a year ago online and then physically in the summertime. And he said, I have a vision to see the Celebrate Recovery spread all over this valley. We now have three operating on a weekly basis. That's just one example of what God is doing in this beautiful place. There's so much more we get to walk in together. We get to help each other. We get to love on each other. We're gonna talk in the next few weeks about what it looks like to serve one another in this, what it looks like to fellowship, what it looks like to live transformed in Jesus Christ together because together is where the power is. Amen? It's where we get to walk out kingdom because he's called us to unity. He's called us to love. And then unity comes from that, right? Praise God. I, I hope this morning that you feel like, yep, the light's on, I'm ready. I'll do it. I hope this morning there is no shame because I'm telling you, he was a murderer. Now he's a preacher of the gospel. Repent, turn, move forward. 
Like Jane said last week, it takes like three to four minutes to have a good repenting session. Don't stay there. Get up, get up and get moving. Yeah. Get up and get moving. Father God, I praise you for this beautiful body and fellowship of believers. I thank you that they are all called, anointed, and destined to follow your plan for their lives. From the youngest to the oldest, Father God, you have a plan, you have a purpose. And I pray today that the transformation of the way we think whew, would be into complete submission to your son. And in complete submission to his thinking and his thought process. Jesus, your love overpower our minds today. And let us see people the way that you see people. Let us love people the way that you love people. Let us serve people the way that you serve. Let us lay our lives down and surrender to follow you in a renewed mind and a transformed life that will transform our homes, that will transform this body, that will transform this city in Jesus' name.